Hello, folks. When Peter Clark and I interviewed Kylie Tink in November 2021, she was the first Independence Day candidate to announce. And as it turned out, the only one to do it virtually <laughs> in lockdown and the only one not to be a shade of blue, pink <laughs> as her campaign colour. Um, Kylie is different in other ways too. She's the only um, candidate who was born and bred in the bush. She um, uh, made a big success in the city as a PR and marketing executive. She's the only candidate who had no interest in politics till she stood, um, having voted Liberal all her life in line with that of her small business parents in Coonabarabran. But even more interestingly, she hates politics. She said, I'm the least political person you know. Politics does my head in. So Kylie, MP for North Sydney, what have you learned about how politics is played and have you managed to stop it doing your head in? And if so, how have you achieved this goal? Oh, Margot, that's the magic question, isn't it, really? So, I think if I had to summarise my key learnings, one of the things I would share is that every day in this job actually feels like three. So even though it's been a year in this role, I feel like I've already done a term because the yeah. learning um, slope was so steep and there wasn't a lot of um, internal resources set to help people like me, that is independence, navigate you know, what it meant to actually become a part of the parliament. So the first six months were in incredibly difficult. Um, but thankfully, being born in the bush, I'd never give up. So you just kept slugging away. Um, and then the last six months have been incredibly enjoyable, to, to be honest, Margaret, because I think what I have learned is that while politics has been done a certain way for the last, you know, three decades, four decades, probably more, the truth is that if you go into it with a different mindset and a very clear intention of what you are working towards, um, you can do it differently. And... I think we're seeing that in the House. You know, we have a, a government that thankfully is open to discussion and debate and discourse, um, which means the opportunities for somebody like me to actually speak directly to a minister about what they're proposing legislatively, to challenge them, to um, suggest that there are other ways to do it. it. That actually all exists in this building at the moment because there is, and we don't always agree, I certainly don't always win, um, but the wins I've had, I think, have been significant and have actually meant, you know, we've moved that dial further on things like climate, on gender equity, on integrity in politics and on the human rights front. So, yeah, it's been tough. It's a baptism by fire. I still don't like politics. <laughs> I don't like the old form of politics. What, what don't you like about it, Kylie? Oh, I think it's the, it's the, um, it's the fundamental principle that, there has to be two sides to every argument, you know, and I just think, so, you know, I really dislike question time at Parliament. I feel like that is a waste of Australia's taxpayer dollars and plenty of times the waste of the time of the parliamentarians because it's a show, you know, and I don't think Australians want that. I actually think Australians would really value an opportunity to hear how ideas are being debated and discussed. But the system believes that people want to see this conflict 
And so therefore you have these, you know, ridiculous um, questions being flown across the chamber from one side to the other and then, you know, sometimes equally ridiculous Dorothy Dixes coming from the government back to itself. So I do think that um, fundamentally, you know, we become a stronger nation when we all agree to work together towards better outcomes and unfortunately what we still have at the moment with a two-party dominance is this idea that one party must be right and the other party must be wrong and um, therefore never the twain shall meet. So it's very, it's very rare, you know, that you'll actually get the two major parties agreeing to um, a principle in general unless it is that they're voting against um, myself and my independent colleagues and the Greens as has been seen recently on some of the environmental policies. But what about the, the way politics is played in another way, that you, you, you've got to somehow get different people together and they've all got to have a win and you've got to be, be behind the scenes. There's all sorts of pressures that, in a way, politics can't be transparent because it is actually ugly. Well, do, do I, you know I mean, what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I do understand what you're saying, but actually I don't even think, Margaret, I think what you've just described fundamentally isn't happening very much in the House at the moment unless it is the independents that are pushing for that sort of work. You know, I think we have, you know, a government that is um, very focused on staying in government. You know, they are um, very committed to doing exactly what they said they'd do in the campaign and nothing more, which means we have a can't, Yeah. Well, you know, you've got to ask yourself the question, though. You know, this government was voted in to our nation because people were tired of how we were being governed. They wanted, I sincerely believe, they wanted to see leadership. They wanted to see direction. They wanted to see optimism. And I've. it really frustrates me that this government has failed to step into that opportunity because I actually think if they stepped into that, they would wipe the opposition off the face of the earth forever. <laughs> like at the moment they're still playing a game where it's conceivable that the opposition can win points. And when I say opposition, I mean the Liberal National Party. You know, it's conceivable the Liberal National Party can win points. That should not be the case because they are not playing the game that the rest of Australians want to be playing, which is getting ahead of the renewable, sustainable energy future, doing it in a way that really powers up our economy, both for our nation and our kids, They want to see us leading the way in reducing our emissions. They want to see us finally break down these ridiculous gender barriers and inequities that continue, you know, to rack our society. They want to see us be compassionate as a nation and to actually play our role in what is the single largest human migratory disaster in terms of humanity's lifetime. And, you know, they want to see us, I think Australians want to see us mature as a nation and be everything we can be. But by continuing to play politics in this way where the two major parties are so worried about each other, they keep, it's a game of fear. And I actually think politics and our parliament should fundamentally be about courage and optimism and leadership. And um, so, yes, I would, you know, Margot, I would reflect back to you that absolutely it's about bringing people along on a discussion and I think that's what I've done, you know, in areas where we were, I was arguing really strongly to get the single parent allowance lifted so that it was, you know, taken up and above eight-year-olds. That took a lot of work. 
Mm. Um, but we got there, you know, and I'm very, very happy that in the end the government announced that as their idea <laughs> because, you know, who cares who gets the credit if we get the public outcome. That's that's what it's all about. Um, but it, it's not at the end of the day, there actually I think there is something quite fundamentally still broken in the two party politics system because they are more obsessed with power and control than they are with really positive, optimistic public policy in many instances, and that is holding us back. Um, you made a couple of mistakes early, um, uh, which is to be expected given your background. I haven't got a, a problem with it, but I remember early on you said that a, a federal ICAC, if they find against an MP, that, that they should be sacked, and, you know, that's just not our system. And I, I was... I thought, oh, oh, you know, what, what, what happened there? And then I was so pleased to see that you were, um, you were um, staying with Kate Cheney um, in in Canberra. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We because were. she's we... got generations of of that knowledge of how how have you how have you sort of found that that interaction among the the independents of. of, of of different backgrounds, really, although you still are a standout, which is one of the reasons I'm so happy you're hit there. But h- how have you found that politics work and that that sort of being able to be close to people who've been a- around in it for generations and 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 have the same belief as you, um, but but uh, have a, a a deeper understanding perhaps of of the forces at work. Yeah, look, I'm incredibly grateful uh, to be part of a crossbench that is 16 people strong and to have, you know, seven kind of independents cut from similar silk to where I come from is incredibly, um, it's an amazing experience. It really is. And as you said, Mugger, we're all quite different, which I think actually means that when we have conversations, they tend to be really robust. Um, exactly. We, we do debate ideas quite you know, consistently, but we do it in a way that is respectful to each other's backgrounds and understandings. I think, I mean, you mentioned the ICAC thing. The irony is that I actually still fundamentally believe in my heart that if a parliamentarian has done wrong, then they should be able to be removed from the role. But what I've come to understand that, you know, in the UK, for example, they have that system built in. They can recall a parliamentarian. They can go back to the polls. So I think what I've learnt is that you know, you can have good ideas, but as you said, you need to understand the wider wider ecosystem in much more detail to understand what changes well, you system. might be able to bring about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the system. And actually, my I think that's the one thing that Australians and I certainly wasn't aware of, is that the parliamentary system here in Australia relies incredibly to a really large degree on custom. You know, like it's not written anywhere; it's just known. Um, it's the way it's always been done. And I actually think that that's something that um, would shock Australians, I think, if they actually looked in and saw that many of our parliamentary processes are, you know, the way they are because they've been that way for over 100 years and we adopted them from the British institution, which had been that way, you know, for even longer. So um, it is a really interesting environment to work in and I think I'm constantly learning, which is what I love about the job, Margot. You know, I'm, uh, the Speaker of the House um, is an incredibly generous man and, you know, there's more than one occasion where I've gone to him and said, you know, I want to do this, this is what I think I want to do, how do I do it within this system, you know, because it's so different to anything else I've ever been within. So there are plenty of people in the House who will help you um, to be able to navigate it, but it's not an innate knowledge and it is something that you kind of, 
you know, you have to be prepared to learn. But <laughs> if I step back, Margaret, we have to remember I never expected to win. You know, I didn't no, know. No, no. You thought, oh, I'll put my hand up because then other people yeah. might next time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I oh, ran yeah. because I wanted to change the conversation of an election. You know, that's what I really wanted to do was to really, really encourage other people like me to stop and consider what our responsibility is towards our democracy. You know, like people... I still get frustrated when I hear people complaining about governments and politicians and parliamentarians because at the end of the day, the, that government, those people, those parliamentarians, they're there because we've put them there. You know, we we voted them. Everybody's vote is of an equal share. So, you know, don't complain. Get active. Actually accept the responsibility. If you think something's broken, you've got to accept you've been part of breaking it. And um, if I could do one thing in my time in politics and parliament for however long that may be I sincerely hope it is just encouraging more people to understand that the democracy is theirs you know we can take it and shape it and do with it what we wish but we have to accept the responsibility that it is ours yeah I mean my big thing is the thing I just loved about the Independence Day candidates um including you is that it was it was genuinely wanting to serve like yeah. you don't want to advance in your career, you don't want to get a big lobbying job. Um, you you know you're taking a pay cut. Um, you, you you're leaving behind a, a successful and happy life. It, it's sort of that that really old old fashioned thing. Um, yeah. So what the next thing I want to ask you is you, you've the Independence Day candidate uh, MPs are all over the shop on on. Um, on votes, um, you know, you, you split all, all different ways. But the common theme, which I was, I, I believed would happen, but not many people did, is that um, it's as a group you you are very um, interested in lifting up the super poor. Yes. You want you really want to have a, a, a good welfare safety net, and you are prepared to consider tax changes and, and changes to housing that would, uh, in theory at least, um, be against your political interests in the very wealthy seats you represent. So you seem to be modelling, a, oh, dare I say it, a, almost a Menzian view of, of, of liberalism. Um, what's going on there and, and how is your electorate responding to, to you saying, oh, yes, let's lift the sole parent benefit mitts you know how, how are they how's the electorate um, um, feeling about that and, and communicating to you about that generally really well Margot because I think um, what I would say about the political system by and large is that I think many communities including my own have been stereotyped and you know we saw for many years that actually the Liberal Party held our seat but it didn't reflect our views and I True. think that's why you know ultimately the community was willing to embrace somebody like myself. Um, the things, the ideas that I espouse and I promote are very much my own. They are things that are very consistent with my values um, but I feel really comfortable and confident doing that because I know it is what my community wants to see me fight for. You know, it, the most frequent conversation I would have with people who live here in North Sydney at the moment is their sincere and deep concern for both generational inequity yeah. and societal inequity. You know, they see it. Um, these people are um, 
living in an area where as their kids grow up and and look to move out of home, they know their children can't afford to buy in the same area that they're living. Um, You know, and I think this is the thing somewhere along the line we got into. Housing is a great example of it, actually, because, you know, economic policies shifted and housing became about an investment rather than a home. And I do think that um, the truth is there are a lot of people sitting in properties in my electorate at the moment who are shocked by the value of their properties. They didn't buy here to get that value return on their properties. They bought here because they liked this part of Sydney. And the piece of the story that's not often told, and I've actually had this conversation recently with a number of people, is um, the truth of it is if you sell out of this electorate at the moment, it's very hard even for yourself as a seller to get back in <laughs> and stay in, you know. So I think that um, I I sincerely believe that the you know, my the people that I represent want me to be driving these discussions around particularly tax reform because I think also it's a really highly educated electorate. It's um, dominated by people who have degrees and who, who work. So we've got a high work rate across the electorate. We've also got an ageing community across the electorate. And you don't have to be a rocket science to look at our tax system at the moment and know it's broken. You know, many of the people in my electorate are doing the heavy lifting. They're the ones that are in that, you know, well-off middle who are paying really large amounts of tax every year. But they know they're going into retirement in the next kind of 20 years and they can see that the younger generation isn't there in numbers behind them and they also don't think it's fair. You know, they don't want um, to see the younger generation not being able to get into houses. So I actually think... um, that conversation around tax reform and the shape, the form of society we want to be, how we want to deal with those who are mon- most vulnerable, that's exactly the conversation Australians want to see being had at the federal level. And the reason I'm able to do that and, and others, I, you know, I can't really speak for others on the crossbench, but my take on what others on the crossbench is doing is for exactly the reason you said, Margot, we have no stake in this other than to speak truth for our communities. Mm. So... You know, I'm not in line anytime soon for a ministerialship. You know, if, if an independent becomes a minister, we are going to have a very interesting time in politics in Australia. But what I am here is to be the absolute loudest voice I can be to try and nudge these two beasts who are sitting there very concerned about staying in control to say, you know, sometimes you've got to be prepared to look harder at who we are and make the changes we need to make to be better off overall. Yeah, it, it's it's the strangest thing. I always think of. Um, I actually quoted this in the book I did on Pauline Hanson. Um, you know, we're two nations uh, from John Rawls and Saul, who said the elites do really well. They have a great life. It's in their interests to keep the society stable and a bit fair. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart. And at the ni- 2019 election, when when Labor promised all sorts of things, you know, franking credit reform and um, capital gains tax and negative gearing, there were swings to Labor in the wealthy mm. seats, without mm. exception. Um, like, there, there is a... There is a uh, you know, obviously, we had a realignment at the last election, but th- this group of, um, of independents is, is... It's almost necessary to be able to, 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 to get Labor over the line. I mean, they learned a big lesson in 2019, you know, <laughs> Um, obviously, from their point of view, they want to stay in power so they can bed down some of these reforms. But 
with, without the, the independence presence, I don't think there would be any chance for civil society to really what they have to do is give Labor permission to do big reform, to, to actually say, actually, we've got a majority here and, and it's it's you lot who are having to do that work. D- does that make any any sense? Oh, absolutely. I feel it every day. And in fact, I talk about it as social licence, Margot. You know, I feel like one of the things that people like myself in this parliament are doing really well is giving oxygen to topics that otherwise would be completely unpalatable to the two major parties because they wouldn't be prepared to risk it. So, you know, I think in um, in some ways it's almost like, you know, I'm a bit of a focus group opportunity for Labor because Labor can have somebody in the chamber who is probably saying the things many people in Labor would like to be saying. You know, I have to give them credit here. I, I think that there are brave people on the backbenches of both major parties, actually, but they have to play. Well, they party stood up politics. on the dole, didn't they? They did, yeah. And it was good yeah. to have the, the wealthy seats saying, we agree, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but I think the difference is, you know, I can stand up and shout it loud and proud. And if I take a bullet, they don't care. And then they go, oh, yeah, okay. So that's still an issue we can't go near. But if I stand up and go loud and proud, and people actually go, oh, yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. We want that. So like on the single parent thing, then the government goes, oh, we've got social licence, we'll go there. And yeah. that's what we've seen. You know, I think the other area at the moment we're seeing a lot of movement um, largely influenced from the crossbenches around issues related to women's safety and domestic violence, you know, strategy and how we're going to move our nation forward away from this. Um, many of the things that were announced in the government's plan a couple of weeks ago are actually ideas that I know myself and other independents had put forward to the minister saying we really think we should go for this. And, Give me an you know, example. Uh, well, so um, consolidation of law across the nation, so actually yep. getting the eternal, Attorney Generals to work harder together so that we don't have these kind of hard barriers between states. Um, originally that was something that was said would be too hard, but, you know, after kind of prosecuting it and building momentum behind it. Um, I was pleased to see it included in the Minister's plan announced. And then the other one is actually our approach to perpetrators. You know, I actually believe that we have to flip the entire system on its head so that victims or those experiencing violence are protected earlier and sooner and it's actually the perpetrator who's removed from a situation. So, you know, let women and children stay in the house but help them leave violence by removing the perpetrator from the home environment and then giving that perpetrator the help they need or whatever intervention is required. Um, Originally, that was nowhere on the agenda. And in fact, I think the government was was very concerned about stepping into that space. Um, Yet, it's in the plan, as of announced two weeks ago. So, you know, I think they're they're really tangible examples of how advocacy from people like myself is making a difference. The area that it's incredibly frustrating, I think, for me personally, is still the climate fossil fuel kind of debate. And, um, you know, I don't think this government has gone far enough in terms of our emissions reduction targets. I don't think the safeguard mechanism was bold enough. I don't think the nature repair market is really going to do what we need it to do. Um, And that's a fascinating conversation to have with members of that um, cabinet, which I have done, because 
um, they do see that as their kryptonite. You know, I, after the UN announcement a number of weeks ago where, you know, the UN Secretary General came out and said, we are no longer warming, we're boiling. Mm. I actually was able to eyeball somebody really senior in the cabinet and just because I had to. I literally had to have the conversation with them, which was, you need to help me understand, do you accept that? Do you accept that science? Do you accept that call to action? And if yes, how can we still be approving new fossil and coal projects? Um, including where you re- grew up. Correct. Sorry. Um, including, yeah, where I grew up. So I think... Um, I loved it when you went out there, Kylie. Oh, I loved being out there, you know, and since then it's great because Sophie's gone out there, David yeah. Pocock's out there at the moment, you know, but these are the things that people need to be able to talk about. And, you know, I'm sure I don't have a lot of friends at Santos <laughs> and it's not personal. I'm sure the people who work at Santos are, are good people, um, but I am finding myself still, you know, the thing that made me say yes when I was asked if I would run was the whole idea that there was a sector of our economy, namely the fossil fuel sector, that had way too much say in our public policy. And um, I think we're chipping away at that, but it's it's still there. You know, that sea dumping bill that we saw come through the House about three or four weeks ago now, you know, presented as a piece of environmental legislation but fundamentally enables you know, new gas projects to try and capture their carbon to then offshore them under the seabed, Um, that was a disgrace. You can't call that an environmental legislation. It's a polluting legislation, you know. And so I think that that battle, people like to think the climate wars are um, calming down, but they're not. And we still have a really long way to go in this nation to continue to force that issue around you know we have more sun and wind than any other nation on the planet our solar cells generate I think it's three times as much as a solar cell on a roof in Germany Um, yet we are still opening new gas you know reserves and again I just I really call on our government and I really you know to your listeners please keep advocating to your local parliamentarian, to the government at a higher level, that we need to go faster. Um, we don't have time to wait. We need to get this emission load down as quickly as we possibly can and then do heavy lifting for the rest of the world. So it sounds like you'll you'll go to the election with climate change again. Um, I was sort of shocked and thrilled in a way that Allegra recently said she's going to have tax reform. She's going to take tax reform to the election and... I think um, she and Sophie want a, a people's summit on, on housing reform, which is just an incredibly interesting topic. Where are you at on, on those things? And, and we're at this stage, like, you know, halfway through, what, what are the issues that, that North Sydney is saying to you that they want you to go to bat in, in at the next election? What, yeah, are, look, the, what, what are the battlegrounds in, in your seat, do you think, policy-wise? Yeah, yeah, cost of living, I think, for everyone. So I think that intergenerational equity that we talked about is a really big thing for my community. And um, it's interesting. So on the housing thing, we're actually about to do a a process that we've never seen in North Sydney before called Deliberative Democracy. We are convening a People's Summit on the 29th of October. um, (gasps) Is this new? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, my so God. Because I was talking to your staff for a while ago and said, oh, you know, is she interested in anything like that? And she said, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Just, wow. And well, yeah, cause, yeah. So you're going to have a, a North Sydney People's Summit on housing. Yeah, yeah. So that happens in October. And, and, then, and who was invited? Well, it, it, it's actually because it's a deliberative democracy model, what we're literally doing is we will identify a 1,000 people on the electoral roll randomly and we will reach out to them and invite them to participate in this discussion. So it'll the sample will be geared so that it's completely representative of, of our electorate in terms of age, socioeconomic background, education. Um, they don't have to have had any contact with me previously. The aim is to then get... Um, 50 people who will at least commit to going through the process and then over a period of about four weeks leading up to the summit themselves, that group of people will have the opportunity to engage with a number of think tanks in terms of what the think tanks are saying are opportunities for them and then they will be convened into one kind of forum on the 29th of October to debate, you know, the ideas that they've heard. The other thing we'll do is a general call across the electorate just for and people to submit their ideas. You know, if somebody's got an idea, submit it. And then what we will do is put all of those ideas back through the think tanks to actually sanity check them to see whether they're so actually who's doing can be this done. for you, Kylie. So I'm we're doing it. We're doing it directly. This incredible thing for you. <laughs> so we're doing it directly, but we're working with an organisation called the New Democracy. Yes. So they are coaching us on how to do this because yes. the hope, Margot, is we will do this in housing at the um, back end of this year. But then rolling into next year, we will do it on intergenerational equity. We will do it on climate. And so the plan for me is that in the back half of this term, what I actually do is make sure that whatever um, policy platform I'm taking to the next election is actually informed from the electorate of North Sydney. So they tell me what they want to prioritise. Um, I suspect that the tax piece will be there somewhere. And, you know, I I am I work closely with Allegra on that. I sit in on all of the roundtables she convenes. Um, in fact, going to one next Friday to hear what sort of the next stage might look like. So I think what I value in the environment that I get to work in at the moment is that I'm not alone. Um, there are an extraordinary group of people sitting on the crossbench who are prepared to have the hard conversations and people who are then very generous with the knowledge that they gather so I don't have to redo the work that Allegra's done. You know, I can trust that yeah. the work is being done and then leverage it further out. So, yeah, if, if looking in a, a, you know, in a, a crystal ball, I think climate is still an issue here on yeah. North Sydney. You know, North Sydney is decimated by large infrastructure projects. We've lost a significant portion of our tree canopy in the last 18 months. We have people who are leaving the community to go and live in other areas as far flung as Armadale and New England because, you know, they they see the decimation that's happening. But also people of North Sydney see the business opportunity that is the renewable sustainable energy opportunity and the recycling of plastics, the moving away, you know, from those substances. That economic opportunity is very real and live to the people of North Sydney. So I think climate will still definitely be there. But then I think it is the intergenerational equity, um, the housing, the money flow, how do we address those things? So cost of living, you know, we don't feel these horrendous spikes that we are currently all surviving. Um, so I gather that um, North Sydney is in danger of, of being changed because of the redistribution and, and, and one seat's got to be lost. It looks like somewhere in that North Shore 
area as a first term independent that that's a bit scary because <laughs> you know there yeah. you are getting a relationship representing and then all of a sudden this new lot comes in so um the the other the other problem you've got i i, I must admit I, I was more worried about you than just about anyone else because in 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 the seat of north sydney labor ran a real campaign clearly mm. wanting to come second and and knock you out and i assume they will do that again um what's your feeling on the ground is trent going to come back what have the liberals learned about listening etc in north sydney um what what is what is how is labor placed and, and there you are in the middle and facing a redistribution now, you, you are going to stand again i gather yes yes what, what's, the, what's the playing field again. look like for you do you think well, I think, I mean, the redistribution will be interesting. I mean, the seat of North Sydney, my understanding is North Sydney stays no matter what because it's one of the founding seats, so it can't actually be dissolved. But it does, I think there is a general push to move my um, easterly border closer in to the actual suburb of North Sydney, so to potentially lose some of that Cremor Neutral Bay pocket and push and me out. Is that Benelong? Like you take a bit And move me into Benelong, yeah, into Glade. And take Hill, away Liberal. Well, that could go yeah. anyway, couldn't it? Yeah, it could go anyway. So, you know, I think from my perspective, um, I'm just going to focus on doing the best work I can to connect with as many people as I possibly can to make sure I'm giving their voice over. As to what the two major parties may or may not do at the next election, really honestly, Margot, I... I not giving it any headspace because, yeah. you know, it, there is too much for me to do on a yeah. day-to-day basis. And, um, I, you know, I, it's not my job to look after them or what they want to do. I mean, I was actually, I was really grateful to have had the opportunity to run in a very real three-horse race because I actually think it makes the fact that I won it incredibly legitimate. You know, there is nobody who can say, well, you only won it because Labor didn't win or, you know, you only won it because you were running against a hard right Liberal. I wasn't. You know, this out of all the independent seats, I think it was a true three-horse race and it was an absolute um, clash of ideals around what democracy should look like. Um, I'm hoping that in the rest of my term I can... Trent, I think, was the most intelligent of of the opponents because... um, he didn't play low ball. He yeah. he stayed focused on policy. He wasn't stupid like Tim Wilson and and Jason, and he had a and he did cross the floor. You know, like mm. it it was a it was a real it was it was in a way it was the most impressive victory, um, I mm. think of the independence. Well, I think it, it was what it was in the end. You know, and I think you're right. Great Labor candidate. Yeah, you know, it was very well liked and it's still well liked. Yeah. I mean, I like Trent, you know, like it's not. And I think we talked about this before, you know, Trent and I basically agreed that the irony of it was if you put Trent and I in, um, if you put us both in a box and looked at the way we voted, we probably would vote quite similarly on most things. The difference was Trent was doing politics in the box that was the Liberal Party, which really confined how far he could go, whereas I was, I'm doing politics out of the box. Um, you might say Trent would make a great teal if he wanted to, you know, leave the party structure and, and come into the independent framework. And on the Labor side, you know, look, I think um, I'm, I imagine they'll run again. You know, I think the Prime Minister actually really 
wonderfully sent me a Christmas card this year as a constituent to say that he really enjoyed living in my electorate, you know, and that he had liked meeting the people when he stays in Kirribilli House. So, but, you know, that that's to be faced when the time comes. And my main, if I go back to what we said a little while ago, my main focus in the next, the remainder of my term is to show people and invite people to be actually become actively engaged in their democracy. Like, you know, I want people, we had a great experience recently, for example, around the um, Hex and Help debt where, you know, a mum had reached out to me from the electorate saying, my son has worked so hard to pay his debt down this year. He had a $20,000 debt. You know, he's paid it down to $8,000. He's about to get hit with a 7.1% um, indexation rate and that 7.1% is going to be applied to the $20,000. So this is a direct real world conversation and I listened to her and then went out and spoke to some other parents, spoke to some young people and then I took it to parliament, you know, and I took it to the education minister and said, how how can this make sense? This makes no sense. This is not fair. And, you know, as a consequence, Jason Clare within 24 hours turned around and was saying, Tink's called it. Like, it isn't fair. It doesn't make sense. She's called out something I didn't recognise. This is good. Yes, I'm going to instruct the universities of court to look into it, which they're now Gee, doing. Great so, you know, It was great. It was a massive win. But I think even more than hearing the minister say that was me knowing and then the woman who spoke to me knowing that happened because of her, you know. And so it. I think that's the experience I'm trying to give for the people of North Sydney. Talk to me about what you see. Talk to me because the closer you are to the ground and the more you're living real life, the clearer the opportunities for reform are. I do think that one of the biggest challenges we have in our political environment is that we don't have enough diversity in terms of where people have come from. I do think while I respect um, professional politicians I struggle with that, you know, because I really do think that the most important skill is to understand what is happening in the real world, you know. And so I was only saying to someone the other day, I, I think there should be set terms for parliamentarians. I don't think you should be able to sit around in parliament for 25 years because while I can respect the learning you gather, I think you lose that capacity to understand what's happening in the rest of the wider real world. And I think real world it depends, that building so is really important. It depends. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you have wanted a Peter Andron to stay around as long as he did or a Ted Mack? You know, yeah, well, there's I mean, certain Ted politicians that they terms. become elders, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, Ted is a great example though, Margot, because, you know, exactly. you look at him. He did two terms at every level of government. But okay. never stayed beyond that. He was two terms at council, two terms at state, and two terms at mm -hmm. Fed level, because he believed he needed to keep moving. And okay. you know, so I think he is a really interesting example. Um, you know, I I think if I won't name the politician, but I had a conversation early on with somebody who's quite senior on the opposition side, and he. Very pleasant conversation, but, you know, one of the things that um, was asked of me was how my children were settling in, you know, how my children coped. And I just sort of said, oh, you know, we're fine. We're learning how to make it work, but, you know, it's all good. And he actually responded to me by saying, well, I don't know how parents do it. You know, yeah. I don't think this is a job yeah. for parents. And I looked at him and I said, but you're a parent. And he said, yeah, but my wife raises the children. Yeah. 
you know, and I think that's, it's little wonder that when you've had somebody like that, and he's been in the parliament for a long time, it's little wonder that with that mindset in that seat for that period of time, we haven't seen a lot of progress around things like paid early childhood education. Yeah. You know, like it's, you can see where that disconnect yeah. takes place. And I think that's why yeah. it is important that there is renewal and refreshment and real people real people going into politics, not because they want to be a minister, but because they want to serve for that period that of time. That made me think about that. another way you're different. I mean, you're different in so many ways. I'm so grateful you're there. But my understanding is basically all the other new Independence Day MPs have got very supportive husbands. And and you're on your own with three kids. You've, you've sold your, um, your big house in North Sydney and, and you're renting. I, I just... This is just sort of personal, I guess. Like, how do you cope with that? Like, how, how do you divide your day and keep healthy and not go crazy? And obviously your corporate experience has been enormously helpful to you there. But how, how, does, how do you stay open and, you know, positive and not overwhelmed by everything you've got to do in your life? Look, some days are easier than others. Um, I'm very grateful to my family, like to my kids, to my mum and dad. Um, you know, they are a, a never-ending source of kind of um, yeah. sanctuary for me, I guess. You know, in those hey, days did they, did they vote Liberal at the last election, Kylie? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't oh know. Actually, I haven't asked them. <laughs> First time? I don't know. I haven't asked them. I'll have I'll have to check in. I laughed. My kids actually asked me if they were allowed to vote for me. I thought that was very cute. <laughs> I was like, you better vote for me, or you won't. Be, I won't be cooking dinner. Um, so, so your parents, are, Kylie, your parents are proud of you because I was so interested when I, I went back over that interview, and you said my parents are small business. They believed in aspiration. They believed in leadership. They believed in a, a opportunity for all to shine. Um, and, and so did I and, you know, I, I went off, I had a great life and I didn't worry about politics and then um, I took a bit of time off to support my son in his HSC and I looked around and I thought, oh, actually, that, that, that doesn't really look like the Liberal Party. And at first I was shocked and I thought, oh, my God, as a political tragic junkie. And then I thought, but someone someone's standing here is actually like most people, <laughs> you know, like, or yeah, like I... many people. They, they haven't got headspace for that. Um it just there's just something um, magical about what you've done. I'm just trying to get to what sort of a person does what you did and is still standing and wants to stand again. Like, is it is it is it really the country breeding? Is it? Oh, look, I think it, it's a combination. What is it? It, I, it honestly, I think sincerely, it's that I. Um, I sincerely believe that every one of us has been put on this planet to try and leave the world a better place than we found it, you know. And I was raised by people who taught me that you don't give up, you know, that you um, that you do. If somebody is in trouble and they need help and you can give it, you give it. If something's broken and you can fix it, you fix it. It's a very pragmatic approach. And I think that's why even, you know, when you, someone else was talking to me about that re-election piece and I was, my comment to them was, what the people of North Sydney decide to do will be what the people of North Sydney decide to do and I'll respect that. So, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, it's a combination of the way I've raised, it's a combination of determination like and um, tenacity, 
curiosity and perhaps just blind optimism <laughs> sometimes. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed this Notepips podcast. Until next time, goodbye.